children will gather a little bit closer to the screen uh, for children's time. I'd love to share um, a moment of joy with you today. Because today is the Sunday of joy. We lit the pink Advent candle. You'll see I have one on my stole. And we can light that one this Sunday. And um, it's, a, it's a candle of joy. And so usually... Kids really know how to share their joy. I don't know how you like to share joy. Maybe you like to run around, or maybe you like to laugh, or maybe you like to sing songs. Um, But one of the ways I like to share my joy, especially if I'm feeling bored or disappointed maybe that something didn't go the way I wanted it to, or maybe I'm feeling a little ho-hum about something, One of the ways I like to share joy is by having a dance break. And so what I'll do is I'll find a song on my phone, and it can't be just any song. It has to be a song I really love, maybe one from a movie that I like or one that just has a good beat, and and I'll put that song on and I'll turn it up. Not so much that you annoy your neighbors or your parents, but I'll turn up the volume just so I can get, get going. And then I'll dance however I want to. You can flail your arms. There's just, you don't have to have any specific dance moves. You just dance. And that brings me so much joy. Another great thing to do is to find friends. So maybe your siblings, or maybe you even get your parents involved. Sometimes at, when I'm at church and I want to have a dance break, I walk down the hall to someone's office like Katie's or Stacy's or Emily's. Emily actually has a very embarrassing video that hopefully she'll never post on social media of a dance party that we did. But we, it's just so much fun to get your body moving and to have joy, especially when you're feeling, you know, ho-hum. Today, in my sermon, I'm going to talk a little bit more about how we cultivate joy in times of disappointment or times of struggle, and how we can have a mindset of joy, especially this time of year, when we're waiting for the joy of Christ to come into the world. If you'll pray with me. Gracious and loving God, we're so thankful for the joy that you bring to our lives the ways that you weave your love and presence in each moment so that we might be awake and aware to your love and joy. Thank you so much for the joy of the coming of Christmas, not just in the gifts, but also in your love and light that enters this world and makes all things new. It's in your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Thanks. One of the stories of Christmas that has captured my imagination since I was a kid is Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. And this story has always been an interesting one to me because of the transformation that Scrooge goes through. In a, in ne- next week, you'll have an opportunity to hear the story in full from a one-man show, but I'm going to give you a brief synopsis just in case it's not fresh on your memory. There's a main character, Scrooge, who is a miser, and he's very selfish, and he's visited by three ghosts. The ghost of Christmas past takes him to see past moments of Christmas of both joy and regret and disappointment. The ghost of Christmas present takes him all around London and shows him the need of people around him shows him, opens his eyes to people in need of compassion and resources. And the ghost of Christmas future is the Grim Reaper, 
who shows him his impending doom if he doesn't change. I think this mindset of past, present, and future can help us understand a little bit more today about joy because I think that's what the psalm has done for us today as well. It begins in the past tense about past moments of joy, moves us through the present moment where the psalm is being written into the future, the future promises of joy of the Lord. And so today, on this Advent Day of Joy, every third Sunday of Advent, we celebrate joy. And this year, more than ever, I think we're needing that spirit of joy to come alive. And so I'm going to go through and talk about these different mindsets and how they might help us cultivate joy. The psalm begins with, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dreamed... And our mouths were filled with laughter and shouts of joy. The people were in a static, dreamlike state where they were able to experience this great joy because God had brought them back from exile. See, the people of Israel have known their, their share of being scattered throughout the lands. They've been in Babylonia, Babylon, Babylon, by the rivers of Babylon where they wept. They were in Assyria for a while. They were slaves in Egypt. And we remember how God brought them in each time back to the land in which he promised. And it wasn't just about the land. It was about an identity as the people of God. God reminded them who they are. They are people of God. See, I believe that this spiritual remembering, this spiritual knowledge of who we are can truly help us understand how to cultivate joy because we remember how loved we are by God and who we are and where we belong. That God has been faithful to us. Advent is a perfect time for this. We set out our nativity where we have Mary and Joseph and we can journey with them to Bethlehem remembering how God provided and protected them. I feel like people have written so many narratives of the different characters of, of Christmas and how God was faithful. But even in the ornaments that we hang on our tree, we look at them and we have a story of a past person or place that meant something to us. And we can remember with joy and gratitude. And that can move us into the present moment, even when we're feeling that this Christmas will be so different this year. In order to prepare for this sermon, I opened a book that I've been meaning to read and it's been on my shelf for a while. It's called The Book of Joy and it's a conversation between the Dalai Lama and um, the, uh, the Dalai Lama and Archbishop Desmond Tutu. And it's really about their friendship and about their conversations about joy. And throughout this book, I feel like there is a brushstroke of understanding that we can cultivate joy in the present moment by reaching out in compassion and empathy to others. You see, I think Charles Dickens has it exactly right. The ghost of Christmas present is a ghost, that, a spirit that allows for us to see the needs of those around us and allows for us to act in compassion towards them. The Dalai Lama tells the story 
about how he was leading a meditation of hundreds of people, and all of a sudden he had a pain in his abdomen, in his stomach. And he knows that he needs to go to the hospital, and so they rush him to the hospital, which is about two hours away, and he... They, they weave him through streets of impoverished areas, and he can see children who um, are without shoes, and he imagines that they also don't have the health care and uh, education resources that they need. But as they're approaching into the city where the hospital is, uh, he sees a man lying under a hut, and he's lying on the ground. His hair is disheveled, his clothes are dirty, and he is... Uh, you can tell that he's very sick and on his deathbed. And the Dalai Lama notices that there isn't anyone around him to take care of him. And the Dalai Lama's moved with so much compassion and empathy for this man's situation that he notices that his own pain subsides greatly. He goes on to talk about how there is a wise selfishness. A wise selfishness takes care of your mental and your physical and your spiritual and your relational health so that you can survive. A foolish selfishness is the one that's constantly just thinking about yourself, constantly um, possibly exploiting people or bullying others. It's this wise selfishness that allows for us to survive and to open our eyes to the needs of those around us. Because each of us has a capacity for pain and suffering. And it's, it's not very big. But when we're able to open our eyes to the needs of those around us, our capacity for holding pain and suffering can greatly increase. And so it's not that the compassion just sweeps over the pain of the present moment. It's that the compassion allows us to have space to increase our, our understanding of the connection between ourselves and one another and with God. And that allows for the joy to seep in and for the community to hold the pain and suffering together. And we know, just like my grandmother used to always say, that this too shall pass, that we might move into a future. We can hope for this future of the ghost of Christmas present. Now, unlike Charles Dickens' Grim Reaper, the psalm paints a very different picture of the future. The psalm talks about the, rest the restoration being like the waters of the Negev. The Negev is an arid desert region in southern Israel that's bordered by the Dead Sea. And it's a desert area. It's arid. I mean, it's, it's very dry. And um, 11 months out of the year, there is it's completely no rain whatsoever. And so the soil just compacts on itself. And whenever you don't receive any water, unlike the land of Tennessee that it just kind of soaks up in there when it rains, when the water, when the sand has been compact, the water has nowhere to go. And so it's like when the rain finally comes, the water rushes over it like, like a flash flood. The metaphor here in the psalm is that the joy of the Lord will be like a flash flood in our lives. That the dry 11 months will end in this incredible joy. And that, that every seed that was planted in tears would be reaped in a harvest of joy. This isn't a you reap what you sow moment. This is every seed that was planted in tears will be reaped in joy. 
This isn't the only metaphor or story of what the kingdom of God looks like. My favorite is when Jesus talks about a feast. And the feast is where everyone has enough and all belong. And those who were absent are present. It's this incredible feast. What are your visions of the hope of the future and the joy of the Lord as children of God? And we know that joy isn't in silos in our daily life. It doesn't happen just in the past or the present. It happens all at once as we cultivate joy with these different mindsets. We know that through a moment that just happened, through Duke Diamond's baptism. The past was remembered through, through the prayer that Brandon prayed over the water. When nothing existed but chaos, God swept across dark waters and brought forth light. God has been in the business of creating order in chaos and light in the darkness since the beginning of time. And then you have that moment where the water in the present moment electrifies the child's head and the Holy Spirit, she seems to reach out with an invisible touch, yeah? Where the promise of God is, is, is on the child. New birth, new spirit, new water, new life. And this moment reminds us of who we are and the hope of the future where we all promise. Nick and Kendall made that promise to raise this child. We made that promise to raise this child in a church and create space not only for discipleship, but to hold that pain and suffering in community. And so this Christmas, I pray that you are visited by the ghost of Christmas past, that you're able to remember who you are as a child of God, and you're visited by the ghost of Christmas present, where you're able to see those in need of compassion and empathy around you, and you're visited by this hope, this knowledge, these memory, this, these imaginations of what is to come, so that we can all in the future, stand side by side, holding our candles lit together, singing, and knowing that the light of Christ is in us so that we might be that light of Christ connecting and transforming for this world. May it be so. Thanks be to God.